We're all holding very tightly to our wallets these days because it seems like everyone wants what's in it, including the city, which announced that property taxes would increase by 5.5%, the highest increase since the amalgamation. Are you ready? Is this a good idea or is it just part and parcel of living in a large city? Well, Devel Morrison, our real estate expert, thinks it might be. Hey, Devel. Hey, how are you? How are you? Pretty good. Have it yourself. Good, good, good. So you think this might not be a bad thing? Yeah, you know, I think our city needs the money. So I'm not really opposed to the property taxes going up on residential properties. However, when it comes to commercial properties, I'm not so thrilled about it. Because what happens in a commercial tenancy arrangement is that most commercial tenants pay for the property taxes and not the owners. Mm. And so now we have this retail landscape where restaurants, retailers, they've all suffered during the pandemic. And so now they are the ones who are stuck paying those property taxes. So that sucks. On a residential front, like I said, I don't have an issue with it at all. However, it's funny, the way that they're selling it, or I'll say packaging it, is that it's a 5.5% increase. But because they did another building levy earlier, it's actually a 7% increase. It is. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the 7%? You know, again... I don't love the seven. I wish it was just the five and a half, but whatever. I mean, if you look at Toronto, so Toronto has the lowest sale, the lowest property tax out of any other municipality in Ontario. So the reality is, is that I know that people in Toronto are pissed about this, but again, our property taxes are super low. So in Ontario, the way the ranking works is Toronto pays the very lowest property taxes, then Markham, then Richmond Hill, then Vaughan, then Milton. So all those municipalities pay the lowest. The highest property taxes in our province are paid by Windsor, Thunder Bay, Sault Ste. Marie, North Bay, and Sudbury. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, when you say that companies have suffered um, and businesses, you're right. I mean, local businesses have suffered throughout the pandemic. But I just think, Devel, we've also suffered, right? And if we can't, you know, if we are now being asked to shell out 7%, uh, you know, when you add the, the the building levy on that, as well as the property tax increase, what is going to cause us to actually go out and to go to these small businesses, to eat at these restaurants, if, you know, we're paying an increase of $1,000 plus, you know, they're, they're averaging uh, for groceries, Everything is going up. Is this just the the cost of living in a big city? And if so, you know, do you blame people for moving out of the city? Well, here's the thing. If they move out of the city, their property taxes are far greater. Right. So they're stuck. Right. <laughs> they're not they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And there's that land transfer tax when they move. Yeah. So it's also not great. Which, by the way, I someone had mentioned to me that they heard some of the city councillors want to increase the land transfer tax, which I think is just absolute craziness yeah. because it's already too high and it already stops people from moving. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the supply is so low in the city. When people add up how much it's going to cost them to move from you know one size to the next size, And if they have to fork out around $100,000 in taxes, they start to go, you know what, maybe I'll just renovate my current house and not move. Yeah. Or, you know, what we talked about a couple of weeks back, Devel, I mean, we are seeing people living, leaving the province 
and moving out of province, right? We talked about people moving to Alberta and Nova Scotia. Uh, and again, that doesn't mean that there won't be a, a, tr a transfer of taxes, but I think of people who are renting as well and seeing their rental costs go up. I know we're talking about property taxes, but I'm sure that uh, renters are also feeling the trickle effect or will feel the trickle effect of an increase to property taxes. Sure. I mean, but I think we all are feeling, I mean, as you kind of mentioned, you know, our grocery costs are getting higher, like everything is getting higher. So I feel like everybody is getting squeezed that, that much more. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think the rude awakening for the city of Toronto's budget is going to be how much money they've been receiving from the land transfer tax because city of Toronto, you know, other municipalities don't have the double land transfer tax. Mm -hmm. The city of Toronto does. And now that, home sales have gone down drastically, like almost 50%. Well, that's going to affect the budget for the city of Toronto, which is probably one of the reasons why they have gone to this uh, moment of increasing property taxes so much because the things are, you know, the city of T Toronto municipalities are not allowed to go into debt the way that provincial and federal governments are. So they really do have to cover their bases. But I would add one other thing about, you know, when they were talking about how the city of Toronto is spending their money, mm -hmm. spending this increase and justifying it. I really wish they would commit some more money to mental health. Yeah. I didn't see the plans, you know? Yep. Yep. And that, you know, in, you know, some people would argue that that's a provincial and, and for sure a federal issue as well. And so, but you're right. I mean, we still, you know, I think about social agencies within the city that would be, would love uh, an, influ an influx of uh, budget and resources to be able to help uh, those dealing with mental health issues. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. There is so much we have to talk with Devel about. We will be <laughs> right back. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We're back with Devel Morrison. She's a broker with Bossley Real Estate Limited and our resident real estate expert. You know, Devel, I just read an article in the, uh, in the Toronto Star and the headline reads, TD Chief Economist points finger at Bank of Canada for mortgage pinch and really just calling out Tim Macklem uh, for what he had said in October 2020. His statement was, you can be confident that interest rate rates will be low for a long time. Well, we saw Canadian home prices fall by 2.8% year over year in the fourth quarter of last year, which hasn't happened since 2008. Uh, was this officially a housing market crash? No, I don't think so. No? I think that's a, I, I guess I, 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 when I think of a crash, I think of sort of 2008 in the U.S., quite frankly, because, you know, we didn't really suffer as much as the American market did. That to me was a crash when the markets were, were the numbers were plummeting. Mm, a 4.6% drop in Toronto real estate. Eh, that's not really a crash. I mean, prices still appreciated in Canada since the pandemic. So if you look at since 2020, prices are still up. So it's 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 not like all henny penny. It's yeah. it's it's okay, you know. Um, and of course, we know that prices are going to decline this year, but of course, nobody knows by how much. Um, but we do know that the number of transactions is down by almost 50%. So absolutely that's going to have an impact. Okay. So you might you might not go as far as saying a crash, but obviously. You know, nobody can argue that there has been a huge impact 
uh, to housing prices within our province, and we're still trying to claw our way out of that. Uh, the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board reported that GTA home prices topped out in February at an average selling price of $1.33 million. And that was the top. So began to fall in March uh, with the first of seven, obviously we know, interest rate hikes last year. Um, and, and then we've seen it go down by 9.2% annually to an average of $1.05 million. That's still a pretty good price for a home in the city. But if you're sitting you know, in a house right now that has depreciated and you're thinking, do I sell? Do I, you know, what do I do in this moment? Um, you know, some home buyers might say, uh, I, I might, I might consider moving out of the city. This, this does feel like, uh, like a crash. And if, if things continue to go down, what does that mean for my property and the, and the value of my property? What would you say to those that are are worried? I would say to those people that they should just hang on. I would say that the city of Toronto, yes, prices have come down. But unfortunately, they've come down even greater mm-hmm. in the 905, in the four, in the 516, 519, in the 705 regions. So out of the city, prices have come down far more than they have in the city. Because at the end of the day, living in the city of Toronto and owning real estate in the city of Toronto is still good for you, mm-hmm. right? The property values here are going to hold a lot stronger than property values outside of the city. What I'm starting to see is the people who moved out of the city that now want back in. Yeah, because living in that outer area was not so great. The commute, as we all know, the traffic in our city has just become worse and worse and worse. And a lot of those people, they don't want to commute now that they've got to come back into the city for their jobs. They're realizing some of those outlying areas where they purchased real estate before are really quiet and they're too quiet. You know, people say, oh, but I don't go out. I don't really use the facilities in Toronto. I'm like, yeah, but it's a nice thing to just sit in your house or condo and know that it's possible to do whatever you want Mm. versus being in a small town and you're like, oh, my God, there's literally nothing to do here. So, Devel, I live a little outside of Toronto. So, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm one of those people that likes the quiet, but I, I get you. I mean, every time I drive into the city, I'm like, there is a vibe and I'm home and I love it. I love the vibe of Toronto. But, I, you know, I, I'll beg to differ on that one. I do <laughs> like my quiet. I do like the fact that I can drive around and I'm not stuck in traffic everywhere. But hey, can we have some fun in the last couple of minutes of the segment? Because yeah. I want to pick your brain on, on unused gift cards. You sent me this article and I just thought it was hilarious. So apparently um, there are a lot of us that have unused gift cards in our wallets. Nearly half of all Americans, and I'm sure this is very similar for Canadians, are holding on to get this $21 billion in unused gift cards. Are you one of them, Devel? Yeah, I am. Like, it's it's bad. And, you know, people are giving me gift cards for stores I shop in. Yeah. But somehow I actually forget to spend the gift card when I'm in the store. Right. And so I literally have like this, I must have 20 or 30 of them. It's quite bad that just they're, right now they're sitting in a drawer just because I needed to free up some space in my wallet. But I need to remember to put them back in my wallet and really force myself now every time I go to a store I got to look and see, okay, what do I have? Because this is free money. It's ridiculous. But I mean, I know I'm not alone. There's tons of us that are doing the same thing. You know, I think that you really, I mean, and this is really good for retailers, right? They get the cash up front. 
They don't have to deliver the service. And usually if you do spend the gift card in a store, you end up spending more money than what the gift card allows simply because you're there. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have a stack of, it sounds horrible. We have a stack of gift cards in our house on our counter and they get like, you know, Indigo, things like that. And we'll, I'll go to the store. Like last night I went and bought a gift and forgot the Indigo card. It's still sitting right. there in my kitchen that I could have used. This stat also says 54% um, said gift cards are the most requested item uh, yeah. the past holiday season, but only found that 25% of people said that they've misplaced their gift cards. So you think about it, they've misplaced, as you said, money, essentially dropping money on the street yeah. somewhere. Absolutely. But meanwhile, you know, the retailer um, gets to keep it. Now, what was interesting is I was watching a video in the U.S. and they actually said that the American retailers, and I don't know what the accounting system here is in Canada with respect to the gift cards, but they actually have to hold them on the books as a liability. Oh. So it actually does yeah, cause a bit of stress, but clearly not too much stress. But they have to hold it as a liability for about five years on the books. Interesting. Okay, you mm -hmm. are a fan of pop culture, and uh, so, you know, this is another interesting story I'd love your take on. Um, so this is the first time I heard about this guy. KB LeMay, he is arguably the world's largest influencer with over 150 million followers. He posts on TikTok um, videos mocking life hacks, and he gets paid, get this, $750,000 for partnerships and sponsorships insane so you know the question is is the influencer industry kind of petering off we saw this bounce right from you know went from 1.7 billion dollars to 16.4 billion dollars in 2022 again organizations companies paying influencers to tout their um their products uh, but are people tired of it i know i am I don't think they are. No. Like, I think because you and I are of a certain age, yep. <laughs> we are. You're calling me old. That's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so TikTok has now launched a talent manager portal so that brands can negotiate deals for clients that much easier. Wow. I think the Kardashians have made the whole influencer thing so big that now we have a whole group of young people who aspire to be influencers. And I think it's really changed the careers that young people aspire to. Now, don't call me crazy. I am going to be a little bit judgy. This is not a noble career choice. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I am going to draw a line in the sand. I'm like, yeah, I can be amused by the influencers. But this is nuts. Yeah. And the other thing is that they haven't mitigated any risk. What if their particular platform gets shut down? Then what? How do they earn money? And and that is, a, a I think, a clear and present danger for something like TikTok. Yep. I uh, I know specifically of an influencer who uh, I know kind of, you know, through somebody else, a friend of a friend, and they had, you know, a couple million followers. And Instagram, there was some sort of... Um, uh, bug or something happened and he lost all, um, you know, 2 million followers on Instagram. Like yeah. something happened to his account and overnight lost everything. And so yeah. had to rebuild that following, has then decided to create almost like an email database and a newsletter to kind of keep, 
you know, his core followers. But yeah, at, you know, at the switch of, a, you know, anything or like a, a bug in the system, you could you can potentially lose all those followers. Now, of course, they'll find you again. But you think mm -hmm. about it, right? Like I'm following a lot of people that I don't even remember why I'm following them, to be honest. <laughs> it's true. Right? Absolutely. But everybody wants to be an influencer these days. Like it's, it's kind of shocking that people don't want to have, I'm going to say, a real career. Not and, in quotes. And some people will say this is now a real career. You know, they also yeah. talk about brand ambassadors and that it sounds like such an old term, but it was just a few years ago, right? That there were these brand ambassadors and it was almost this um, authentic way of uh, talking about a product and reviewing a product. And then, you you know, obviously you would get a kickback from from businesses. But is this kind of just the the new level of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also the Kardashian effect. Yeah. Right? This is everyone wants to be a Kardashian. I mean, these guys have built a billion dollar business out of being basically influencers. Yeah. So, you know, I think about this because you make such a great point. We have about a minute left. Uh, okay. You know, this next generation, um, you know, my kids uh, you know, who are into this whole influencer thing. I mean, if you talk to my 16 year old, I'm sure that's what he wants to be. Um, <laughs> does that mean that we now have to change the way that we even educate kids? Like, should this now be a class in universities and high schools about just like, how do you manage your money? How do you be an influencer? How do you negotiate deals? Like, should that be a part of our education system? You think? Oh, I mean, we, I mean, first of all, we need classes on how to manage money, right? Right. So before we do anything, it's like, how do you work with a credit card? How do you manage debt? What's a mortgage? I mean, we have very little financial literacy. So if we do anything in schools first, I feel like it's got to be that. But I mean, to your point, schools should probably do some more career days where they bring in people who talk about what their current careers are. Because I certainly remember when I was in high school or university, you know, you really thought, okay, I could be an accountant or a lawyer. There's so many other jobs out there that people don't even think about. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, is it, is it a good opportunity to bring in some more real people into schools to show people all of the possibilities of things you can do? Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think it's dangerous to focus just on being influencers. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, but I do think adding, adding influencers to the list of uh, people that you see on a career day might be the wave of the future. Thanks so much, Devel, for your time today. No problem. Thanks for having me. And just on the record, Devel did call me old. Did it? Did she not? She called me old, but that's okay. <laughs> that was Devel Morrison, broker with Bossley Real Estate. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.